This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call. 25th day of August 2021. A, a beautiful day here in the Northeast. I, well, I shouldn't say beautiful. It is uh, sunny, at least. It is going to be rather steamy. Uh, high temperatures across the country, so uh, please be careful out in the heat today. Uh, keep those air conditioners running. If you have any elderly uh, uh, relatives, make sure that they are uh, cool as well. Uh, they're talking about triple digits uh, in terms of the feels-like temperature because of the humidity, et cetera, across the country. So uh, uh, anyway, lots to talk about this morning. The, the Red Sox uh, once again snatched victory from the jaws of defeat last night uh, from the jaws of It's just a uh, weird game. Uh, so we'll talk about all that in a minute. Uh, some breaking news this morning, uh, f- local football, the New England Patriots have traded Sony Michelle. Uh, their former number one draft pick has been traded to the Los Angeles Rams uh, for a pair of late round draft picks. Uh, they're going to get a fifth round pick in 2022 and a sixth round pick that year as well. Um Look, here's the thing. Michelle was, there's no other way to put it. He was a bust. He was the uh, the Patriots' number one draft pick uh, back in 2018, number 31 overall out of Georgia. Um, in 38 games, he had about uh, 2,300 yards, 14 touchdowns. Now, I'll give him this. His best season was, was clearly as a rookie. He had six touchdowns in the postseason that year helped the Patriots win the Super Bowl, uh, beat the Rams. Uh, so it's not like, uh, you know, they never got anything out of them, but, you know, you expect your number one draft pick to be more of an impact player, and Sony Michelle just never was. Uh, he played in the preseason game against the Eagles last week, carried seven times for 34 yards, also had four receptions. Uh, for 37 yards. The Rams could need some running back depth, no question about it, so I think this is a good get for the Rams. It frees up a roster spot for the Patriots. Uh, You know, they've got Damian Harris and James White, Ramondre Stevenson, Brandon Boldrin, J.J. Taylor. They've got plenty of running backs uh, on the the depth chart, and uh, they have to get down to 53 players by Tuesday. So this frees up one of those spots right there. So uh, uh, the Patriots trading Sony Michelle to the Los Angeles Rams this morning. Uh, the only other news really out of Patriot camp yesterday was that Bill Belichick did not want to talk about what was going on with Cam Newton and his vaccination status and all that kind of stuff. You know, he just... Uh, did not want to address that. Did say, however, or or wouldn't rule out um, 
the fact that we might see both Mac Jones and Cam Newton uh, during you know th- during the early part of the season, depending on how Cam plays. I mean, as of right now, he hasn't officially said it, but as of right now, you would assume that Cam Newton's the number one quarterback. I said this yesterday. The COVID thing aside, the fact that he had to quarantine for five days because he's not vaccinated and left the team. Um, it, it really, in my mind, and I don't think in Bill Belichick's mind, it changes a thing. He's still going to be the Patriots quarterback. He'll be back at practice on Thursday. I suspect he will start the game against the Giants, their final preseason game on Saturday, and he will be their opening day quarterback. And then, you know, after that, all bets are off. If he stinks like he did last year, it you know, his time as the starter may be short, and Mac Joe, we may see him sooner rather than later. I don't think Mac Jones is ready for prime time yet. As I said, once the regular season starts and and teams start pulling out all their regular defensive schemes, and he's going to see stuff he hasn't seen in preseason games. It's a different animal. You know, uh, ask, uh, ask Tua Tagovailoa from uh, the Miami Dolphins how it is. You know, I remember last year he had, like, you know, his first start, he was great, and he then he made this comment about, geez, I can't believe how, you know, this, this, is, this is easier than I thought it would be. And then he absolutely struggled for the rest of the season, you know, and uh, I'm sure that he is wishing uh, that he had never said that. But anyway, so, uh, you know, that's the news out of Patriot camp. And, and, and again, you know, we're going to have uh, Dan Zampano on on Friday. I actually just uh, communicated with him this morning to finalize his appearance. So he will be on at 930 on Friday to uh, to get us ready for the start of the NFL season because it's only a week away, believe it or not. Uh, all right, let's get uh, uh, to baseball. Uh, oh, one other quick note, and uh, this sad yesterday. I I was uh, it, it's it's a product of getting old, I guess. But I was uh, I I, mean, I was so upset to hear that Charlie Watts had passed away yesterday. Uh, he was eighty years old. I mean, you know, look, guy that uh, dealt with substance abuse back in the seventies and. Uh, kicked that, but and and turned his life around. Was a family man. He was the quiet member of the Rolling Stones, but a great drummer. Many believe that he is the greatest drummer in rock and roll history, and he's a guy that was really uh, a jazz drummer, and you know, and and uh, he was an accomplished drummer before he joined the Rolling Stones. The Stones were lucky to get this guy. Uh, it had already been announced he wasn't going to be on the tour with the Stones this year because he had had some health issues. Uh, word was that he had had heart surgery uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, everybody thought that he was recovering, and obviously uh, he wasn't. Um, but uh, just um, a sad day. It really was. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, it just... I saw the Stones in concert uh, back in the 80s. I saw them in Philadelphia. They were great. Um, you know, and it's just a product of getting old as, as, as our heroes uh, start to leave us. You know, when we talk about, you know, baseball players that pass away or, you know, other, other legends in the sports world that pass away. And for a lot of us that, uh, you know, followed music as closely as we did sports, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it, it happens. You know, I lost one of my musical heroes. I was a big Harry Chapin fan. I saw Harry Chapin at concert seven times, had an opportunity to interview him once on the radio. Um, and, uh, you know, he died of a car accident back in the uh, early 80s. Uh, 
still young, you know, and, and you know, how many, how many people do we lose, you know, young as well. But as you get older, it's like, you know, there was always that old joke and I, the problem is I found myself doing it. I, there's that old joke of, you know, I got up in the morning and I read the obituaries in the paper and, you know, if I wasn't in it, I went about my day. You know, I've gotten to a point now and I know, I, I, you know, I guess it's old age. It's, it's kind of morbid, but I read the obituaries now and, and, uh, you find folks that you knew and, and it's, uh, you know, you get that sense of mortality. I try not to think too much about that. I mean, who knows how long I have. If, if you guys are all unlucky, I'll be around for another 30 years to torment you. I, I hope I am. I, I've, I've said many times as long as I'm not blowing bubbles in my oatmeal, I'd love to, you know, live to be a hundred years old. Uh, but, uh, Charlie Watts, one of the greatest drummers ever, uh, and, uh, uh, passes away yesterday at the age of 80 and uh, we'll remember him at the end of the show. We'll play a little Rolling Stones music for you. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh it was a sad day. It, it really was. And it's, uh, you know, and, and we lost, uh, uh, Tom T. Hall the other day, uh, as well. We lost him on, uh, I believe it was on last Friday, Tom T. Hall, one of the great, uh, songwriters in country music history. Uh, you may know him. You know, he had, he had some songs. Uh, uh, he had this song called I Love and uh, uh, I Like Beer. And, you know, he had a bunch of hits of his own. Uh, but he wrote one of the most famous songs from uh, country music uh, in the uh, 70s. He wrote Harper Valley PTA. Jeannie C. Riley had a huge hit with that. I'm sure everybody has heard Harper Valley PTA. Tom T. Hall wrote that song. He passed away. Uh, on a Friday, we lost Nancy Griffith last week. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's, and, and I think Nancy Griffith was only 80. Tom T. Hall was 85. You know, you, you don't get too sad when people get into their eighties, you know, because that's a, you know, yeah, like I always say, Hey, you know, they were, he was 85. It's a pretty good run. You know, if we get to 85, you know, we've beaten the odds because the average age for, I think a, a male in the United States, I think is 77 years old something like that, you know, so if you get to 85, you're beating the odds, so it's a pretty good run, but uh, anyway, so, uh, uh, but Charlie Watts leaves us, and, and uh, uh, it's just part of, uh, part of the progression of getting old, I guess. All right, now let's get to, uh, after that morbid note, let's get to uh, the morbidity of the Red Sox bullpen. Uh, yesterday's Red Sox game, you know, it, I, I was working while I was watching the game, I was editing a book, you know, everything was, you know, and I was relaxed. I mean, the Red Sox, uh, you know, it was a little shaky early. Minnesota had a 3-1 lead after the fourth. Uh, Tanner Houck wasn't great yesterday when he got the start for the Red Sox. Only lasted four and two-thirds. Gave up three runs and eight hits uh, and just didn't look very good. They had to get him out of there. Josh Taylor got him out of a jam in the fifth. But then they bring in Martin Perez to start the sixth inning. And uh, he gives up a two-run bomb, you know, and uh, uh, it's it's um, it's frustrating, I guess is the word to put it, you know. But the Red Sox had this game, should have had this game in hand. They had a nine-to-four lead after six innings, and Perez, you know, again can't get anybody out they have to get him out they go to Sawamora out of the bullpen he gives up a couple of hits and a walk and you know Adam Adovino was the only guy that came out of that Red Sox bullpen that looked like he had half a clue but even he struggled and then Matt Barnes comes on the Red Sox have a nine 
to six lead going into uh, excuse me uh, yeah a nine to six lead. They go to Matt Barnes, and Barnes proceeds to almost blow the game. He gives up um, two walks, a hit, a bomb. He gives up a bomb to the first guy he faces in the ninth, Josh Donaldson. Then he can't find the strike zone. He walks uh, Luis Arise on four pitches. You know, and then it's another walk. You know, he works a, a full count to Mitch Garver and then misses with a breaking ball on both on a 3-2 count. And so now two guys are on. So he's gotten exactly nobody out. There are two guys on. Right? The tying runs are on base. And so Alex Cora has to take his closer out of the game and go and bring in Hansel Robles. Now, Hansel Robles is a guy that has closed for the Philadelphia Phillies. He has closed uh, for the Minnesota Twins. He comes in to face his old team. Uh, And I'm sorry, I said the uh, Phillies. He closed for the Angels. And he had uh, 10 saves in 14 opportunities for the Minnesota Twins earlier this year before he was released. But And why was he released? Because he had an ERA north of five, and he was letting too many guys get on base. He was giving up way too many home runs. And so this is who the Red Sox now have to turn to, a guy they picked up at the trade deadline and what was a minor deal with some bullpen depth. And now all of a sudden, with the Red Sox struggling to make the playoffs, they have to go to Hansel Robles of all people. And Robles did the job. Uh, You know, uh, excuse me. Robles comes in, two guys on, nobody out and proceeds to get the Red Sox out of the inning. He th- he showed fastball after fastball after fastball that was 97, 98, 99 miles an hour, made Miguel Sano look absolutely stupid. Jake Cave put on a hell of an at-bat, but he eventually ended up getting him, and the Red Sox escape with the victory yesterday. And Alex Spear in the Boston Globe, had the greatest line this morning. He is absolutely right. It's like the Red Sox no longer win games. They survive them. That's what this has become. I mean, look, the game against the Rangers the other night on Monday that they ended up winning in extra innings because Matt Barnes blew yet another save. You know, and and we have seen it time and time again where the Red Sox, you know, they were this great come-from-behind team. Now they're giving up leads to teams. And even, you know, when they do win them, they've had to come back because their bullpen has puked up another one. And Matt Barnes, look, I'll give him credit for this. He took full, you know, full responsibility. And he had the, you know, and he said yesterday at the end of the game, it's a bad time to start sucking. That's what, that's what he said. And truer words have never been spoken. This is a guy in the first half of the season, ladies and gentlemen, was an all-star. 
He had an ERA at 2.30. He was damn near unhittable for the first part of the season. And now he is nothing but hittable. And, and again, you know, he said, look, uh, you know, as far as whether he's still going to be the closer, he said, hey, it's not my decision. I'm going to leave that up to the coaching staff. But he said, and, and again, I like to hear this. He said, make no mistake, this is going to get fixed. I'm going to go back to being exactly what I was three weeks ago. Now, I would say it's a little more than three weeks ago, Matt. It's more than like, you know, maybe five, six weeks ago. But be that as it may. He said, you know, whatever, you know, the coaches want to do, what they feel the right decision is to help us win ball games. He says, I'm completely on board with it. That's the number one goal. So I like it. He didn't pout when he left the game yesterday. He stayed right on the top railing of the game. Uh, I mean, of the bullpen. He was uh, cheerleading for Hansel Robles to get out of it. And so, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's accountability there. you like that. But what I'd like better is Matt Barnes to be the pitcher. He was in the first half of the season. And, to, and again, and a lot, and Sawamura is the same thing. Sawamura was really good, you know, the first part of the season. What I have noticed is as the year has gone on, both these guys who were very quick workers and who were getting strike one and were, were attacking, they have slowed their pace down. They are now taking forever between pitches. That was one of Barnes's problems in the past when he was always nibbling. You know, and I think sometimes with Barnes, he thinks too much. Just get the ball, throw the ball. And I think, you know, look, sometimes our brains can be the biggest enemies. And I think you can overthink things, especially in sports. And I think that's exactly what's going on with Matt Barnes. I think that's part of the problem with Salamora. They mentioned it last night on the, on the Nesson broadcast. You know, there are times that he's taking 40 and 45 seconds between pitches. That's way too long. You know, and, and so, you know, look, there's no question the Sox have a problem. Uh, one problem is Martin Perez needs to go. They took him out of the rotation because he couldn't get anybody out. Uh, he can't get anybody out out of the bullpen either. You know, he's just as bad out of the bullpen as he has been as a starter. I mean, case in point, his last seven games have all been out of the bullpen. And in those seven games, he's pitched five and two-thirds innings. That's it. A guy that was a starter that you would think you could get some innings out of the bullpen. In five and two-thirds innings, he's given up 11 hits and uh, has an ERA of 7.94. And it walks and hits the innings pitch of over two. You know, and so it's ludicrous that they are still giving this guy the ball at any point in the ballgame. Now, Ryan Brazier is close to coming back and, uh, you know, making his first appearance for the Red Sox this season. Uh, he's re- continuing his uh, his rehab stint at A Portland. He pitched a scoreless inning on Tuesday. He's continued to look very good. I fully suspect when Ryan Brazier is activated uh, that they are going to designate Martin Perez for assignment. He will be essentially released. They're, look... You know, uh, they got him for cheap. They got him late in the, you know, late in the, the spring. He was supposed to be the fifth starter, and, you know, he gave him a couple of decent starts, but he just, he just doesn't have it. So he's got to go. So Ryan Brazier will take his spot. There's another guy, by the way, somebody else I had forgotten about. 
Darwinson Hernandez is a guy that hasn't pitched for the Red Sox since the 31st of July. He went on the injured list with an oblique strain. Uh, he threw a bullpen session for the first time yesterday. So he's another guy working his way back. I'd almost forgotten about him. And he's another guy that's far more useful out of the bullpen than Martin Perez. Now, I, look, there's people yesterday were pushing the panic button. Oh, my God, you know, Tanner Houck wasn't great. We need to put him in the bullpen. Uh, maybe he's better out of the bullpen. And we need to put Garrett Richards back in the starting rotation. No, no, we don't. Let's leave Tanner Houck right where he is, ladies and gentlemen. Stop talking Garrett Richards back in the starting rotation. That's like throwing Martin Perez back in the starting rotation. Now, Garrett Richards has been much more effective out of the bullpen than Martin Perez has. I think Garrett Richards might be able to be an effective guy out of the bullpen. And he's a guy that has pitched out of the bullpen in the past. He knows how to do it. And I think his stuff plays much better um, as a bullpen arm for the Red Sox than, than Martin Perez or Tanner Houck, for that matter. So leave Tanner Houck. Let him pitch every fifth day. Don't screw around with these young kids. If you're going to hand them the ball, unless they prove to you they don't deserve to get the ball, leave them alone. Tanner Houck has been just fine. You know, yesterday aside, and even yesterday, look, he wasn't. it wasn't like he gave up 10 runs in three innings. You know, he got hit around a little bit. But look, the kid has made eight starts. He's appeared in 10 games, and he's got an ERA of three and a half. His walks and hits and innings pitch are very respectable at 1.25. He struck out 52 guys in 39 innings. You know, leave him alone. Leave him alone. But Martin Perez has got to go, and they have got to get Ryan Brazier up sooner rather than later. And hopefully, you know, Darwin's and Hernandez is a week or so away, and, you know, that will help settle things down a little bit. You know, and hopefully they can get Matt Barnes figured out. Or Matt Barnes can figure himself out, whatever it is. But he is a much better pitcher than he has shown. Uh, the hero for the Red Sox yesterday, by the way, of course, was uh, Hunter Renfro. Two more home runs. His second uh, multi-home run game uh, of uh, the season. Two for four. The two bombs. One of them was an absolute missile. Uh, drove in five. Kike Hernandez, another big day. On his birthday, a couple of hits, including a home run that left the park at 109 miles an hour. Not that I get too wrapped up in it, but it was one of those where when he hit it, even Ellis Burks, who was doing the color for Nesson, said, I want to see the exit velocity on that one. This ball was, I think it was off a of Thiel Bar who had come in, and this thing, if anybody had been standing in front of it, it would have killed him. So again, Kike Hernandez continues to get on base from that leadoff spot. You love to see it. Uh, so... You know, there were some bright spots. We had some guys hitting the ball yesterday. Alex Verdugo looks like he's starting to get himself squared away. He was three for three yesterday, including a walk. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Travis Shaw with another home run, another bomb over the uh, the bullpen in right field. So, you know, there were some bright things. But that bullpen right now is an absolute mess. Um. Last Red Sox note, they uh, sent Tan uh, Jaron Duran down to Worcester yesterday um, to get a roster spot for Tanner Houck. They continue to play the uh, the paperwork game as far as the active roster goes. Uh, and, and you know, they've uh, Alex Cora said, look, we've given him some homework. You know, he said, uh, you know, he needs to work on some things. He needs to work on his defense. 
running the bases, bunting a little more. He said, we gave him the homework, and he'll work on it. He said, we'll see where it takes us. You know, and he said, look, you know, we still have a lot of confidence in the kid. You know, he got off to a rough start. You know, and he had a pretty good August. Look, in 14 games in August, he hit 277. But when Kyle Schwarber got healthy and got activated, he really hasn't played, and uh, they need to get him down there. They, you know, he needs to learn to lay off that high fastball. You know, pitchers figured out pretty quickly that you can get him out up there. So uh, I think Jared Duran's still got a bright future. I think he's still going to be a big part of this team going forward. But I think this was the right move uh, to get him some more reps and, to, and, as they've said, to get him to a point where he can uh, push the reset button because, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that certainly needs it. And there's been a lot of rookies. Look, rookies across Major League Baseball are struggling this year. He is not the only one. Uh, I think I saw a stat that rookies across Major League Baseball are hitting something like 226 this year. 226. Um, normally, the uh, the big league average for non-pitchers when they come up is is to hit somewhere around 248. You know, so he. Yeah, but this but this year in the year of the pitcher, uh, all rookies are struggling. You know, guys like Wander Franco are an exception. He's hitting almost 290. Uh, but by and large, a lot of these big name rookies that have come up that aren't pitchers. They have all struggled. The kid uh, uh, Kellenick from uh, Seattle, same thing. I mean, we have just seen it t- time after time after time. Guys that these these big prospects and you know guys that are in the top twenty or top twenty five in Major League Baseball's prospect list come up and struggle. So I think Duran's going to figure it out, uh, and, and hopefully this will give him the opportunity uh, to hit that reset button. It's thirty one minutes past the hour. We got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back uh, to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. A going to hot and humid one here uh, in the Northeast, and uh, unfortunately it looks like there's a dose of that going on across the country. So uh, we talked about the Red Sox closing problems. They're not the only ones with a closing problem. The New York Yankees are facing a similar problem with what to do with Aroldis Chapman. Now, having said that, Chapman is is struggling. There's no question. It was so bad last night that Aaron Boone had to get him out. You know, they had an opportunity to put away the Atlanta Braves, and Aroldis Chapman uh, did his best to try to give it away. He gave up two hits and two walks in the ninth. He walked Jorge Soler with the bases loaded to make it a one-run game. It was so bad that Boone had to pull him and go get Wandy Peralta, of all people to face the reigning National League most valuable player in Freddie Freeman. And Peralta falls behind in the count 3-1 and then goes to his changeup. He threw five straight changeups. Uh, Freeman put on a hell of a bat, just fouled off four of them, and then hit one pretty deep to left field. Uh, but that ended the game. It was his third save for the Yankees, the fifth of his career. Not a guy when you first think of going to the bullpen to get a save that that's who you're going to go to. You know, now it was supposed to be a guy like, you know, maybe Zach Britton, but of course Zach Britton has been struggling with elbow issues. Zach Britton may be headed for surgery. Uh, he is going to uh, be seeing a doctor next week uh, for that strained left elbow, and Aaron Boone said yesterday that uh, uh, that surgery could be in play for Zach Britton. So they don't, you know, they don't necessarily have 
a go-to person either, nor do the Red Sox. Now, as I say that Chapman has been struggling, there is no doubt that he has. But his numbers are not anywhere near as bad as Matt Barnes's has been over the last uh, 15 games. In the last 15 appearances for Aroldis Chapman, he's got an ERA of four. Uh, the problem with him has been the walks. He's still striking guys out. He struck out 22 over his last 13 and a third, but he's walked 12 guys. 12! Uh, so he's having a little trouble with the location. But, you know, again, uh, still over the last 15 games, he's picked up seven saves. Matt Barnes can't say that. You know, and Matt Barnes's ERA over his last 15 games is something like north of six. So, but... It, it obviously is a concern for the Yankees. Now, having said that, the Yankees aren't having a problem winning these games. You know, the Red Sox are having to hold on for dear life if they can get a win. You know, that's one other thing, by the way, with the Red Sox. You know, do you realize, like, over the last uh, three weeks, the Red Sox starting pitchers have an ERA of, like, or the last two weeks, of, like, three, and yet... This is a team that, over those games, has a losing record. That's not supposed to happen. You know, the Yankees have turned it around offensively as well as, you know, they're starting to get healthy. Their pitching staff is starting to get a little bit healthy. And they're getting uh, a, some decent appearances out of Andrew Heaney. Now, look, he only went four yesterday, but he wasn't terrible. He only gave up three hits, a couple of runs. He struck out five Kept a minute, and the Yankees have a lot of arms out of that bullpen that, you know, again, they're kind of starting to remind me a little bit of what the Tampa Bay Rays do. It just doesn't seem to matter who they throw out there. They're going to win. You know, but now John Carlos Stanton has been heating up. You know, Rugnetto Dor of all people, keeps hitting home runs. You know, a guy that uh, they look like that, uh, you know, at one point earlier in the season, I think he was hitting about 170. You know, he has been uh, a much better player of late. He has had some big home runs for the Yankees. He's only 27 years old. You know, now make, make no mistake. You know, he, he's not, uh, he's not uh, you know, a long-term solution for the New York Yankees. They're just waiting for uh, Gleyber Torres to get healthy uh, and uh, waiting for uh, uh, Gio Urshela to get healthy. Gio Urshela, by the way, could be back with the Yankees when they go to Oakland on Thursday. And uh, that's not great news uh, for the other guys in the American League East. The Yankees have now won 11 straight. It is their longest winning streak in 36 years. 1985 was the last time they won 11 in a row, and they did that from August 31st to September the 10th. You know, and the other guy that is finally starting uh, to show some signs of life, DJ LeMahieu has had an absolutely awful year as far as DJ LeMahieu goes. You know, this is a guy that um, was the batting champion, right? I mean, you know, you look at what he did last year and I look, I get it that it was, you know, a short season. It was only 60 games, but he hit 364 last year in a full season in 2019. This is a guy who hit 327. He is a, you know, a guy who is an over 300 hitter for his career. And this year is hitting just 268. 
but he has had some big hits lately. He shows some signs of, uh, of waking up a little bit. Uh, he had a big home run last night, a two-run bomb in the fifth inning. Giancarlo Stanton, as I said, another home run yesterday. Stanton's now got 22. Um, and uh, look, <laughs> everybody knew the Yankees were better than a 500 team. I'm, that's not to say that people that hate the Yankees weren't uh, dancing with glee when they were a 500 team and look like, you know, at one point they were, you know, 10 games back of the Red Sox or 10 and a half back of the Red Sox and looked like they were deader than a canned ham. And yet here they are, winners of 11 straight. Uh, two and a half up in the wild card. They hold the number one wild card position. Still four back of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and this is with the closer that's struggling. But fortunately for the Yankees, you know, guys like Chad Green, guys like uh, uh, Holmes uh, have been able to step in. Uh, guys like Luis Sessa, uh, Jonathan Loisega, all these guys have at different times stepped in to play big roles out of that bullpen and kept this Yankee team uh, moving forward. Uh, and as far as, you know, yesterday's game, they beat the Braves 5-4. The Braves lose two in a row to to the Yankees and you know to, to I love watching social media last night people I follow a bunch of Braves fans uh because one of our podcasts uh the Platinum Sombrero is uh uh is run by a couple of uh Braves fans and and so I follow a lot of, of Braves fans and they were despondent <laughs> I mean the only good news for the Braves is is that Amer National League East is so bad right now that nobody can make any inroads Atlanta's still with a four and a half game lead over the Phillies uh, six and a half over the Mets now. And uh, so 11 in a row. Uh, the Yankees, Jamison Tyon, is going to pitch on Thursday night. Uh, this is another guy who has really kind of turned his season around. Uh, he will take on James Caprillion, who's been very good for the athletics on Thursday night. Caprillion is 7-4 and four with a three two five. 2 uh, The Braves, by the way, Braves have today and tomorrow off. They have two straight days off. And then they have a five-game homestand, uh, or excuse me, a three-game homestand against the San Francisco Giants starting on Friday. So this is a big week for Atlanta. You take on the Yankees, you get whacked twice, and then you have to take on the San Francisco Giants, who have the best record in baseball. Uh, you know, and you know, again, the only thing that might bail them out is that the Phillies stink, and the Mets. Stink. Phillies lost again yesterday. The uh, Tampa Bay Rays beat them. Uh, they beat them 3-1. to one. How about this? Nelson Cruz, guy who has never played first base in either the majors or the minors, starts at first base yesterday for Tampa in Philadelphia because... Kevin Cash wanted to get his bat in the lineup in a National League city. And just, you know, and and I mean, he's never played it in the majors or the minors, right? And this is why this is why people this is why I hate Tampa. It seems like no matter what they do, even a move like this where you would say, "Are you out of your friggin' mind?" Look at the look at the hoops that the Red Sox are doing trying to figure out whether they're going to let Kyle Schwarber play first base for the Red Sox a position that he's played once in his career. 
yet Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays just say, ah, screw it, we're just going to throw Nelson Cruz in there, and he plays flawlessly. He handles every chance cleanly, including, ladies and gentlemen, um, a short hop. You know, Wander Franco made a throw uh, from the outfield grass on a ball hit by Didi Gregorius in the hole. Franco gets it, throws it. It's short hops at first base. Cruz makes the, 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 the pick as if it's no big deal to end an inning. And at the end of the game, what does Cruz say? I haven't had that much fun in a while. This is a guy who's 41 years old, been playing in the majors uh, forever, and he can say, I haven't had that much fun in a while. And it's just like the Rays to have something, something like that work out. Not only did it work out, uh, he makes you know a nifty play at the same time. Unreal. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, another strong start for Tampa yesterday. Didn't factor in the decision because Tampa won this one late, but uh, five innings, four hits, just one run. Uh, Rasmussen's been great. I mean, it, 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 his last three starts, uh, he's got an ERA of 1.38. Ranger Suarez pitched great for the Phillies, too. Guy who was a closer at one time for them. Goes into the seventh inning, six and two-thirds, just one run. But uh, Archie Bradley gave it up uh, to the Rays in the ninth inning, uh, and, or in the eighth inning, I'm sorry. Uh, and guess who it was? You guessed it, Nelson Cruz. Two-run double in the eighth inning. So everything just comes up, continues to come up roses. Now, they pulled Cruz for a defensive replacement. Yandy Diaz replaced him at first in the eighth, but damage was done. So Nelson Cruz, who had been on the COVID list, comes back, plays a position he never played before, gets the hit to win the game, and all is right with the world as far as the Tampa Bay Rays go. Uh, the series concludes tonight. The Phillies are going to send Zach Wheeler to the mound. Uh, Tampa hasn't announced a starter yet. Probably for them it'll be another one of those bullpen games. Uh, Phillies need this one tonight. Zach Wheeler's 10-8. and 10-8. and eight. He's got a 2-2-7 ERA, and he's 10-8. and eight. That tells you how badly that the Phillies have struggled offensively this year. But they've got to get that one tonight. If they're going to stay uh, in this race with the Atlanta Braves, you know, you've got some opportunity here with the, with the uh, Braves getting ready to play the Giants. You've got to take advantage of it. You have to. Uh, the other team trying to stay in contention in the American League East, the Tampa Bay, or excuse me, the Tampa Bay Rays, the uh, Toronto Blue Jays lose again. They've now lost 7 of 10, and they are fading fast. They are 12 back of Tampa, but more importantly for them at this point, they are 5.5 back of the Red Sox, who own the second wild card position right now. Uh, Dylan Cease, strong start last night for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Cease goes seven and uh, gives up just one run on four hits. Picks up his 10th win of the season. Uh, Michael Kopech and Liam Hendricks finish it off. Jose Barrios gave up three in the first inning. Uh, a three-run bomb by Jose Abreu. Uh, and uh, by the way, Chicago did this without Tim Anderson. He missed his fourth straight game, still dealing uh, with that tight back. So the Blue Jays and we'll have Robbie Ray who has been their best pitcher this year, 9-5 and five with a 2.79? Lucas Giolito will take the hill for the White Sox. By the way, the, the uh, Jays will probably have George Springer back today. He's eligible to come off the injured list today. Uh, he has been running and uh, working in the outfield. It looks like he's ready to go, so they may have him in the lineup today against the Chicago White Sox. It's 47 minutes past the hour. We're going to take one more break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back 
to the wake-up call. And uh, the guys that probably didn't want to get up this morning are Met fans. Uh, it just continues to get worse for the New York Mets. They got shut out yesterday by the San Francisco Giants. Now, I mean, look, the Giants are unconscious, and they are showing no signs of uh, coming back down to earth. Uh, they win their third in a row, now 81-44. and 44. Unbelievable. Uh, eight nothing yesterday, and uh, Brandon Belt, who had found out just a few hours before the game that his grandmother had passed away uh, from COVID-19, was struggling. He didn't know whether he should play or not. He was very close to his grandmother. Uh, His grandparents, he grew up just down the street from them, and uh, I guess uh, his grandmother had been a big supporter of his and actually had financially helped him out and the family out when uh, he was a young kid and he had to travel around to showcases and stuff so that he could chase his dream of becoming a major league baseball player. And, uh, so he had kind of texted his parents and, uh, and his wife and said that, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't sure he could play. And he said that his dad reminded him that his grandmother, uh, whose name was Margaret Peterson would have wanted him out there to play. And so, uh, he, he did play, uh, and he hit two bombs. Uh, in honor of his grandmother, the 33-year-old. And by the way, this is, you know, and, and if you, coincidence, I don't believe in coincidences. You know, and here's the thing, you know, Brandon Belt was struggling already. He finds out his grandmother had passed away. He was, he was two for 30, two for his last 30. And his grandmother passes away, and he's playing with her in his heart and hits two bombs. He, uh, he hit one in the first inning dead center field, hit the apple out in the outfield at City Field, uh, hit another one in the fourth, and he also had two singles. So a guy who was in a two-for-30 slump suddenly breaks out of it last night, goes four for five, two bombs, drives in three, and they crush the Mets 8 nothing. And, you know, again, uh, you can, if you want to be a skeptic, and you can do that, but I firmly believe that there was a hand in what happened to Brandon Belt last night, and you got to give the kid a lot of credit for uh, uh, for going out there and playing in honor of his grandmother. Um, and uh, they got to Tyler McGill last night, the rookie that had been so great for the Mets, uh, had the worst outing uh, of his young career yesterday. Three and two-thirds innings, 11 hits, and seven runs. He gave up four homers. Four. He gave up uh, two to Belt. He gave up one to uh, Mike Yastrzemski, and then Lamont Wade hit his 17th as well. For Yastrzemski, by the way, it was his 20th. Uh, Yaz hasn't had a great season this year, not, not as good as last year. He has uh, struggled with the bat a little bit, only hitting 220 this year, but he's got 20 bombs now. Um, by the way, his grandfather, uh, Carl Yastrzemski, just had a birthday the other day. And, uh, you know, talk about when we talk about Charlie Watts, and, you know, Yaz is in his 80s now, and. Uh, you know, the guy that was my favorite player growing up. And uh, to see his grandson playing, to be able to see Yastrzemski in a box score, I love it. Uh, but anyway, the other story for the uh, Giants last night, and part of the reason they've had so much success, is they're getting performances out of pitchers that they didn't expect. I mean, as we said, uh, Johnny Cueto's come back and had a great year for him, and what Kevin Gausman is doing is ridiculous. Um, but this kid, Sammy Long, rookie left-hander, this is a kid who had never pitched above, I believe, Class A baseball 
before this year. Think about that. I mean, talk about, I mean, uh, yeah, he was low class A, was the highest he had pitched in his career. Goes five and a third last night and uh, gave up just three hits, no runs, struck out four, walk one. You know, I mean, and again, you know, it's uh, kind of like with Tampa this year. No matter what Gabe Kapler does, it just works. Uh, the aforementioned Johnny Cueto uh, is going to be activated off the injured list today, and uh, he will take on Taiwan Walker uh, for the New York Mets tonight. Taiwan Walker, 7-8 and eight with a 3.86 ERA. Uh, the Dodgers keep pace with the Giants. They beat the Padres, who are taking on water faster than the Titanic. Uh, the Padres lose to the Dodgers 5-2. They are now 14 back of the Giants. Uh, they still are one back in the wild card. The Cincinnati Reds, despite losing to Milwaukee yesterday, still own that second wild card spot. But the Padres have lost 8 of 10. And uh, yesterday uh, it was uh, Julio Urias who tied Kyle Hendricks for the major league lead in wins. He is now 14 and three, five shutout innings, gave up just one hit. Uh, and then uh, uh, the, the, uh, the Dodgers bullpen does what it does. Blake Trinan, uh, Bickford, Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen was a little bit shaky, but again, he picks up his 28th save of the season. <laughs> the Padres, it was a bullpen game. They used eight guys. And, uh, you know, frankly, outside of the kid, Daniel Camarena, they all pitch fairly well. You know, uh, it's just that uh, offensively, the Padres could get absolutely nothing going. They had the two runs on just three hits. Manny Machado got robbed of a home run by A.J. Pollock. Um, and uh, Pollock also chipped in with a, a two-run single on the offensive side to give the Dodgers the victory in that game yesterday. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I've got my fantasy football draft tonight. Uh, <laughs> wish me luck. <laughs> I did make the playoffs last year, but it was a struggle. We leave you this morning with some music from the Rolling Stones as we remember Charlie Watts, who passed away yesterday at the age of 80. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.